Hello and welcome to this episode of Irreligiosity 2.0, the one true podcast. And the only podcast that actually doesn't really care if you cut that little piece of skin off your dick or not. I don't care. No. No, I don't care. Chop it off. We don't care if you do. Chop it off. Uh, We don't care if you don't. It's cool. Whatever. Just um, be careful what you do with it if you do chop it off. Make sure it's disposed of properly. A little butter, a little garlic, a little foreskin. Mm. Never heard anyone. I thought we were uh, the one true podcast and the only podcast that has to renew its listener base between every podcast because uh, we take a long time, I guess is what I'm saying. So. Oh, just through attrition? People just <laughs> Everybody we left. Were, it's been so, so long. We were so offensive. We just offend every listener and then hopefully gain some new ones before the next podcast. I did my best. <laughs> or was that 1.0? I can't recall. I don't know. They all blur together. It's all a big blur. Yes, Matt, this podcast is about uh, Acts, sometimes called the Acts of the Apostles. Although is that the majority like, of it isn't really about the Apostles. It's about Paul. Is that like Apostles fighting zombies? And they use an axe? Acts of the Apostles. Is it the Acts? Yes. Acts of the Apostles? That'd yes, be cool. it is. I haven't even been drinking. I came up with that joke. <laughs> well, that, that explains it. <laughs> Axed. The ax, axe is all about, it's about Paul when he was like, let me ask you something. And then it became a book. <laughs> it's about ghetto Paul. <laughs> or is it Saul? What the hell? <laughs> but first, shall we hit iTunes reviews? Yeah, iTunes reviews. iTunes reviews. It's time for those iTunes reviews. Uh, how about the one that I want? Five star review by Blue Hearted. My favorite podcast by far. I've re-listened to every episode. I particularly enjoy Chuck Style. Matt, did you well, hear that, Matt? Fuck this. Fuck this review, man. Fuck it. I particularly I don't like enjoy Chuck's style. You might as well say, I particularly do not enjoy the other <laughs> style that may be present. <laughs> That's the underlying subtext to, to that. Exactly. Review. Also, love this uh, five-star review by Insanity Rocks. My dad had me listen to an episode of yours a while back ago. I absolutely loved it. I'm hooked. That, uh, I believe, uh, puts him up for worst father of the year. <laughs> a while back ago. It was a while back ago, my father came to me and he said, son, or perhaps daughter, listen I want to you to listen to something. Motherfucking dick-filled podcast. <laughs> I know you're only seven, but... <laughs> we gotta... It's equal time, Matt. They get a bunch of shit in Sunday school, and then you gotta have them listen to this podcast. Equal time. That's all we're about. Uh, is that little kid still listening? Motherfucking shit, cut, motherfucker, suck dick, <laughs> Ass fuck. <laughs> Those are some good reviews. Keep them coming at the rate of once a month. <laughs> yes. And so shall the podcast. <laughs> uh, we got any skunk dicks? I don't think so. Oh, I think yeah. everyone behaved themselves very well since the last podcast. Yep. Nothing's happened. Not. Everyone's, everyone's, we're all, we're all on the same page now. All Everybody gets the it. world. Oh god, I got so many dicks. I I don't know what to do with them. I'll just I'll just start I'll just start throwing them out there. Why don't you um, uh, choose the best dicks best? and we'll swallow them. Okay. Here's a dick. Uh perhaps you remember Alabama's Chief Justice. This is the Chief Justice of their uh Supreme Court. Uh Roy, uh Chief Justice Roy Moore. Uh, he was the one that put the Ten Commandments right on the courthouse steps and said something stupid about it. And, we should have and, his middle name. So every time he's uh, referenced in the media, it should be Chief Justice Roy, Ten Commandments, more. Roy. We should have his middle name legally changed to Ten Commandments, Monument, more. Can we call him TC? <laughs> TC, more. Well, what? Uh, he's a skunk again. The Ten Commandments, uh. Monument was not enough. It wasn't enough. Apparently, he's an advocate for anarchy now <laughs> because um, he wrote a letter to the governor of Alabama, Robert Bentley, and he asked him to defy the federal court ruling against Alabama's same-sex marriage ban. 
Uh, like a lot of states, you know, Alabama had a same-sex marriage ban, and they've been getting uh, knocked down one by one. But <laughs> being a judge, he probably said, ah, yes, the rule of law. I shall follow that because that's what I do. <laughs> but well, we no. are more judges that have absolutely no respect for the law or legal precedent. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the laws, says Alabama's Fuck chief the justice. laws. <laughs> uh, I just do what I want. Fuck the law. Yeah. Fuck our republic. Wait, Fuck who the am Constitution. I? Says Apparently, Chuck, Roy this Mark. single unelected judge. <laughs> Could you call him an activist judge? Uh, yeah, so he, he's about to set, uh, according to uh, this article I read, a horrible precedent. Yeah, what, what value will our laws and our court rulings have if justices in other state just say, oh, fuck this shit? Yeah, I can just do what I want. Yeah. Um, it's, it, the article says, the last time Moore was on the court in 2003, he was removed due to his refusal to take down the massive Ten Commandments <laughs> monument. Now, as before, Moore is facing a judicial ethics complaint filed by the Southern Poverty Law Center. <laughs> ah, Ro Moore. You're a dick. He should resign. Ah, uh, yeah. Go yeah. be a pastor or some shit. Yeah, how about that? A uh, Christian judge with no respect for our judicial system. <laughs> I'm shocked. I've got more dicks. More? Roy Moore's dick wasn't enough? Roy T.C. Moore, his dick. His dick was so not enough that I needed a larger dick. A Catholic dick, if you will. Oh. A massive dick. Bill Donahue's dick. I'm, I, we're all familiar with it, Bill Donahue, the Catholic League, right? And we're all familiar with what happened in Paris at the uh, office of the newspaper Charlie Hebdo. That was pretty... Dick move by those uh, Muslim extremists, jihadis, assholes. In these guys' minds, Matt, the appropriate response to a cartoon is to break it and slaughter 12 people. Yeah. Now, was- uh, Bill Donahue um, doesn't agree with this, and, and he spends a whole, what, uh, two sentences uh, not agreeing yeah. with this, and then the rest of the article saying, well, maybe. Yeah. He's a, he's a butter. He's one of these butter. Ah, killing's bad, but... But, yeah, he, he starts off with killing in response to insult, no matter how gross, must be unequivocally condemned. And then he equivocates. <laughs> You're right. Fucking asshole. But neither should we tolerate the kind of intolerance. Another one of these goddamn, you must tolerate my intolerance, uh, that provoked this violent reaction. Yes, yeah, so it's their fault, Matt. They right. provoked it. They have shown Muhammad in pornographic poses. They haven't shown nuns masturbating and popes wearing condoms. That's horrible. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, so offended. I'm going to just sit here and be offended. I mean, no one has a right not to be offended. Hey, assholes, you have your feelings hurt, then uh, in a grown-up civilized culture, we uh, have methods of dealing with hurt feelings. Those methods do not include breaking in and murdering a dozen people. Or writing an article about how, well, you know, they shouldn't have done that. But let's not tolerate uh, people drawing cartoons anymore. Oh, my God. Fuck those people. And, and what he, he said in his article, he said, it's, I talk about Stephen, Stephen Chabonnier. It's French. I, I can't do that. But uh, he said, it's too bad that he didn't understand the role that he played in his tragic death. Uh, had he not been so narcissistic, he may still be alive. It's his oh. fault, Matt. It's too bad those delicious boys did not understand that their tight Sunday school clothes <laughs> raised the ire of the priests. Oh, God, if they weren't so hot when they were 10 years old, those Muhammad, boys might never have been raped. <laughs> Muhammad isn't sacred to me either, he says. But it would never occur to me to deliberately insult Muslims by trashing him. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, you know. Oh, my God. How horrible that you insult something that's sacred to somebody else. Right. Good God. Fuck you, Bill Donahue. Just stop equivocating. You said it was unequivocal. Yeah, you, the, the uh, article should have ended with that first sentence. Killing right. in response to insult, no matter how gross, must be unequivocally condemned. You don't really... And need to add the middle part either, no matter how gross. Why the right. fuck? Who cares what the insult is? He'll respond to the insult with force, you asshole. <sighs> All right, Bill. Bill, Bill Donahue's going to come after us now. He's going <laughs> to say, hey, look, uh, you, you guys don't understand 
the role that you played in my kicking your balls. So, <laughs> if only is it, you know again he doesn't spend any time about uh, how uh, horrible this uh, slaughter is, how terrible it is, what the the action is absolutely horrible. Most ninety nine percent of this article is about God. They just should have been nicer. They yeah. should have been nicer to people. Yeah, you can't you make know? fun of people's sincerely held beliefs. Yeah, clearly Bill doesn't spend a whole lot of time reading his own Bible. Do you know who the, the Charlie Hebdo of the Bible was? They were the prophets. They were the people who were criticizing the government. They were, um, you know, what do you talk about uh, Elijah on that uh, Mount Carmel? He's making fun of the prophet of Baal who's unable to cause that fire. He's laughing at him. Where's your God now? <laughs> That's the function Wait. that Charlie Hebdo satire and all these other criticisms play in our society. These are the prophets of today. Comedians, satirists, political commentators, they're doing the exact same function. They're doing the function that you assholes don't do because you're happy with the status quo of getting a shit ton of money from your followers and uh, molesting everyone that you want without uh, any uh, uh, bad things happening. (laughs) Well, at least they're they're off-duty when they do it, though. So much jihad envy in this article. You know, he doesn't ever come out and say it, but he certainly tiptoes right, right up to that line. If oh only I could murder all those people that <laughs> piss me off. It's, you know, I, I unequivocally condemn this, but my God, he sure provoked these people. Jesus. Bill Donahue does not know what the word unequivocal means. No. Skunk dick, asshole, fucker. Bill Donahue. Well, we have more dicks. More? More that dicks. enough. Enough! Enough dicks! Unfortunately, the next one's a child dick. But, uh... Oh, he's, that'll, he's, be, that'll be uh, good news for all the Catholics remaining in our audience. Yeah! Uh, you might be familiar with the book, The Boy Who Came Back from Heaven, uh, which was a book uh, promoted as a true story about this little boy who died and apparently and went to heaven, but then he came back and uh, after his coma or some shit and Matt said, ah... Oh, New York Times bestseller. No. Made a shit ton of money for this little boy. Well, It also actually, spawned probably, a bunch of other stupid books. Probably his parents, but uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I have prepared four jokes for this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this book, this was a, the true story of Alex Malark, Malarkey. Malark, wait a second. That's your first clue. <laughs> His name is literally Malarkey. <laughs> His name is Steve Bullshitter. <laughs> Alex Malarkey. Uh, Alex Malarkey. Alex Wait. Malarkey says, I did not die. I did not go to heaven. Uh, uh, oh, he's a, taking it back. He's a teenager yeah. now. So the boy who came back from heaven apparently never went in the first place. Wait, here's the first joke. Alex Malarkey, the boy who lived... That's what? that's Harry Potter. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How about this one? I'm unfamiliar. He tried and died. He tried and lied. These are getting more and more obscure. He lied. He lied to me. Terminate him immediately. <laughs> no? <laughs> I don't. What was that one from? That's Star Wars, when Grandma Tarkin is all pissed off because Princess Leia lied to him about Dantooine. Uh, and, I see. Yes. And, wait, the final one. A lie. A, a choice. choice. <laughs> that one I get. Star Trek VI. Ah. When Spock, by the way, mind rapes an innocent uh, Vulcan. Right. Right in front of everybody. Wait, she wasn't innocent. Oh, she wasn't. But he still mind raped her. That does not excuse his mind rape. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not victim blaming. She was dressed rather provocatively. <laughs> That's right. She had on one of those little short Star Trek skirts. That apparently, everybody wears in the future, even the men. <laughs> anyway, we've got off topic. <laughs> My God, I might edit this entire part out. <laughs> so he wrote this uh, best-selling novel. It was a six-year-old stripped through the afterlife while he was in a coma. Uh, but now that he's a teenager, he's recanted. I did not lie. I did not go to heaven. Uh, but the problem here, he's not 
he's not con- he's not contrite. He's not coming back going like, my God, I lied and I cheated everybody and I'm so sorry. No, he's still super Christian. And the problem is it's bullshit what he said. And he doesn't want people to get the wrong idea of what <laughs> Evan really is. And, and what he said at the time, what they made up uh, pretty much is uh, not biblical. He did it for attention, but he never read the Bible at that point. Yeah, man. He says, uh, I said I went to heaven because I thought it would get me attention. Uh, when I made the claims that I did, I had never read the Bible. So, uh, you know, he was reading the Bible and he was like, oh, it says, don't lie in the Bible. Oh! Oh, my God! <laughs> I didn't know that! Holy shit! No one ever told me this before. Oh, I got to take it back. Yep. He wants the whole world to know that the Bible is sufficient. Those who market these materials must be called to repent and hold the Bible as enough. Yeah, well, I don't buy it, malarkey. <laughs> I think you're still feeding us a line of bullshit. Oh, God. He came back, cried for attention. Who were the adults around him who were just like, oh, yeah, let's let's make this a book. Can't, I want to write a bullshit book and be a, have a New York Times bestseller. Chuck, what can I do? Well, it helps if you're Christian. Okay. If you're not Christian, and there's really no market for bullshit. I can fake that. I fake that, then I fake dying, then I fake coming back, then I write best-selling book, and then beaches and Mai Tais. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> There's no end to the stupidity and gullibility and willingness to pay money for bullshit within the Christian religion. <laughs> and the next skeptic candidate is Matt Wakefield, which should be what no surprise. I, what, should be no surprise what, to the listeners of this show. What have I done now? Do you remember when we uh, did the Candidates for Skunk Dick of the Year and you put a thread up on Facebook and you're like, hey, Chuck, put a post up on the main page. I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to put so much work. And you're like, no, do it. We need all the help we can get. And then uh, uh, Matt proceeds not to use any of the suggestions on the main <laughs> irreligiosity site and only goes to Facebook. In my you know how defense, much effort I did, Matt? You know how much fucking effort it took to post that? In my defense, I did not remember that at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else I did? I totally blew our whole format for Skunk Dicks. Excellent. Where we nominate some, and then the one who wins is, surprise, not one of the nominees. <laughs> well, that's just keeping people on their toes. All the winners were also nominees. <laughs> I I drank a lot on that episode. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Those are our dicks for today. Who's the winner? Uh, I'm gonna say Bill Donahue. Bill Donahue is my winner. Bill Donahue. I can't imagine a worse response to that whole incident. I'll go with Bill Donahue as well. Yeah, basically he's saying, you know, oh boy, I'm saying this. That it must be condemned because, you know, I have to say it, but uh, it's really their fault. That's what I really <laughs> believe. Massive asshole. It's not possible that anyone's skunked it here than him. No. All right. Crank it up. Feed the hamster. Whatever we do. All right. Was it uh, Bill Donahue? My God, it's B- the Pope. It's Pope Francis. Pope Bill Donahue? Pope Bill Donahue. T.C. Francis. Pope Francis? Wasn't he disqualified when he won Skunk Dick of the Year? You know, um, he did win Skunk Dick of the Year uh, this, this, the year before last. And then he seemed to be making progress last year, so I was giving him a little leeway. You know, I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. And then he said, those who mock religion, a punch in the nose awaits. <laughs> Another... <laughs> One cannot provoke, one cannot insult other people's faith, one cannot make fun of faith. Well, you know, Pope, if, if you're afraid of being made fun of, your, your uh, position seems to be fairly weak, right? If it can't take being right. made fun of, or can't take being mocked, or criticized, or satirized, then I think deep down inside, you really think that you're building your faith, not on a rock, but on some flimsy shifting sands. <laughs> right. Perhaps your faith is weak. Uh, the Pope said nothing. It's, it's another. It's like it's like Bill fucking Donahue. Nothing justifies the murder of Charlie Hebdo journalist. But uh, 
But uh, mocking a person's religion is dangerous business, so um, that, that kind of justifies. Dangerous business. Uh, he says, if a friend were to utter a swear word against my mother, he's going to get a punch in the nose. That's normal. Says That's normal. Pop. That's kind of, You know what? I'll support a punch in the nose. You insult my mother, I punch your nose. That's <laughs> exactly what Jesus said. You draw Jesus a cartoon said. ridiculing my beliefs, and I murder you? Uh, that's going. That's a little over the top. That's Jesus not normal. Said, uh, turn the other cheek, except when someone says something shit about your mother. And that I was will Jesus. fuck you up. <laughs> that was Jesus. I will fuck your shit up. You talk about Mary to my face, I will fuck your shit up. I remember that. That's uh, Matthew twelve sixteen, isn't it? I think so. <laughs> and Jesus said... Turn the other cheek, except <laughs> when they draw a mean cartoon about your religion. Oh, my God! That is uh, where Jesus drew the line. I think that's what he said to uh, Pilate right before he got crucified. He was like, I will fuck you up, motherfucker! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jesus, what is truth? I'm going to fuck your shit up, Pilate. I will fuck the shit out of you. That's why Pilate uh, washed his hands, by the way, too. Ah, the Pope. Once again, he's back in the dick. He's back in the running for Scott Dick of the Year for next year's show. Excellent. All right, those are our dicks for today, Chuck. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, the more things change with uh, dicks, the more they stay the same. Yeah. Oh, God. Hey, did you hear? What? We have a new bit. We have a new, a new thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I didn't it's hear. it's Matt's Anthropology Corner. Woohoo! Woo! Yes, less work for Chuck. That's what <laughs> I just heard. This is the first ever uh, Matt's Anthropology Corner, and today's episode episode today's bit <laughs> today's bit is about an ancient skull that shows modern humans colonized Eurasia sixty to seventy thousand years ago. Was it a crystal skull? It was indeed, and it was shaped like an alien penis. The <laughs> alien penis crystal skull. No! Damn it. Was it. A, a human-like skull. Chuck, it's widely accepted that uh, modern humans date back in Africa about 200,000 years ago, but there's much debate according as to which to was... the scientists. <laughs> well, yeah, according to scientists. Um, the debate's about which is the most plausible model of early Homo sapiens migration and extinction of the Neanderthals. Or Neanderthals, whichever you prefer. Uh, fossil records show that modern humans reached the Middle East as early as 100,000 years ago, but genetic testing shows human populations descended from a single group that migrated out of Africa a mere 70,000 years ago. So why the gap, Chuck? Answer that. Uh, I can't because I wasn't there. <laughs> and also until now, there's been little evidence to bridge that gap. But there's been a discovery in Israel's uh, Manit, I don't know, Manit, Mano Cave, of an almost complete skull that dates back 55,000 years, and it provides direct evidence that fills this gap of migration into Europe and is also proof that modern humans existed with Neanderthals in the same area. In Israel! You get Whoa, it? Wait a second. Yes. Is that Neanderthal Noah? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> This cave was accidentally discovered in 2008 after a bulldozer struck the roof. And it was basically, it was like an untouched time capsule. Um, there were, there were some uh, other artifacts in there, but there is also the skull. And it was dated using, uh, for you nerds out there, uranium thorium method, which is, uh, they couldn't use carbon dating, right? Never heard know. of it. Never heard of it. Anyway, according to scientists, I'm doing the little air quote things, scientists. Good. This skull disproves two major narratives. One, uh, that all human populations are linked to out of Africa migrations 100,000 years ago, and that early European populations interbred with local Neanderthals. So instead, the skull shows modern humans met and interbred with Neanderthals in Israel, in the Middle East. And at that time, considering Europe was in an Ice Age period, the harsh climate rendered it pretty much inhospitable, and humans probably moved there later around 45,000 BCE. Morphological affinities and peculiarities link it to African origination and early Paleolithic populations in Europe. So this confirms people in Mano came from Africa. They stayed a few thousand years, you know, like you do. Huh. And then when the weather improved in Europe, they moved on. And then eventually they murdered all the Neanderthals. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. 
That paper was published in Nature. You can go there and find it yourself if you don't believe me. If you trust, if you put your trust in scientists, in the <laughs> arm of flesh instead of the true word of God. Anyway, this has been episode one of Matt's Anthropology Corner. Very informative. Quite informative. Excellent. Had I listened, I would actually have learned something, <laughs> I feel like. Hey, um, before I fall asleep. Yes. Let's get the axe because this this book put me to sleep. What? I thought the podcast was over. No, we're just getting started. Oh my god, we're going to talk about axe. We're going back to Bible study. Yes! <laughs> Bible study motherfucker. My favorite. Woo! Woo! God damn, I love me some Bible study. Although, I will admit axe was hard to get through, Matt. Hard oh to god. get through. Bunch of whiny bitches in axe, let me tell you. God almighty. Uh, Acts is the second part of Luke. How do we know this, Matt? How do we know that the same author who wrote Luke wrote Acts? Uh, because it was called The Gospel According to Luke. <laughs> Originally. Both of these things were anonymous. Uh, but uh, they both are uh, introduced by this sort of uh, paragraph dedicating it to Theophilus. And so... Who? I don't know. It's maybe some Roman dude. More likely, the word itself means lover of God, and so it's probably a code name for budding Christians. Ooh, lover of God. Ah. Uh, so the question, I guess, would be, is is Acts a sequel to Luke, or was it always planned as a uh, continuation of a one long narrative? My guess is that it's a sequel because the first chapter of Acts contradicts uh, the last chapter of Luke, so we'll get to that. Um, it's unlikely that he ended up, you know, I, what I think happened was he finished with the scroll, and then sat down to write, and he's like, oh, God, I can't unwind that entire scroll to look at the last chapter. Fuck it! I'm just gonna write it. I'll just write this from memory. Fuck it! Maybe, I'll do it live! Maybe the last part broke off. It's like, you know, those scrolls, they get, those last bits. Yeah, they get brittle. can get damaged. Um, I'd buy this as a sequel, though, because, you know, you already have a built-in audience. Uh, you yeah. kind of do a reboot, and, uh, you know. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's franchising. It's a franchise. Yeah. So, um, again, both of these manuscripts were anonymous, and the original manuscripts probably didn't have a title. Uh, the uh, Gospel According to Luke was first referenced um, by that title in about 180 of the Common Era by Irenaeus. Uh, the title Acts of the Apostles first pops up around 200 CE. I think we first see it uh, in a letter by Clement of Alexandria. Now, scholarly consensus puts a date at 85 of the Common Era thereabouts, the same as Matthew, right? They think Matthew and Luke were written the same. Right. Uh, this is just a guess. Uh, there's no real good evidence for it. They place Mark at 70 because it references the destruction of the temple, and Mark was used as a source, and so they think, well, 10, 15 years enough to, for Mark to circulate around and uh, for them to uh, be aware of it and use it. Um, but there's no reason you couldn't place it later. It's, it's probably not going to be any earlier than 85. Uh, but Richard Pervo, who's a scholar who spent about 30 years the study of Acts, and uh, his book is uh, fantastic. If you want to read it, it's called The Mystery of Acts. Very, very good uh, short, brief study of Acts. Tells you why. It's really not a historical book, although Christians love to say that it, it's really good history, right? He places uh, the writing of Acts probably closer to 115, so the second decade of the second century. Uh, a couple of reasons he gives. It's got an outlook about certain controversies that place it about 50 or 60 years beyond the time of Paul. You know, in Matthew, Matthew's kind of open to Gentiles, uh, in Luke, it's clear that the church is already a Gentile church. <laughs> uh, the circumcision question in Acts has already been settled, and so he's explaining it. Um, What's the circumcision question? The circumcision question is, when, when these guys convert, these Gentiles convert, do they get circumcised or do they not get circumcised? Uh, so well, you get circumcised. He's looking at this question as if it's already been settled and it was settled a long time ago. For the oh, what was the answer? Church. We'll get to that, Matt. Oh, sorry. Don't shoot your wad yet. I, I, I got to know. I'm, shit I'm sitting the... here. I got a knife in one hand. I'm like, got my dick in the other. And I'm waiting to find out what I'm supposed to do. 
Um, it takes for granted the existence of a church that's mostly Gentile already, right? Instead of Matthew, which is saying, eh, we can take some Gentiles, why not? Yeah. Um, and most importantly, Acts itself was most likely written for the purpose of legitimizing the Gentile mission. It clearly... The church has already become Gentile, and so you got a you got a big you got a big problem, right? So uh, when the church of the Jews shifts over to become a church of the Gentiles, God uh, God's always getting angry at the Jews for whoring after other gods. The Jews, <laughs> the Jews reject him once, and what does he do? He goes whoring after other people. Way to go! Way to go! He drove them away. Well, that, that's <laughs> part of the answer and part of the, why this is a legitimizing narrative, right, to make it uh, legitimate that the church becomes Gentile. The answer is that the, uh, the Jews, the, God didn't reject the Jews. The Jews rejected God. Ah, yeah. So what can you do? If you notice, over and over again in Acts, Paul goes to the Jews first. He always goes to the synagogues first. He gets rejected by them, and then he, he's forced to take his mission to the Gentiles. Now, let me ask a stupid question. Please do. <laughs> Gentiles are just non-Jews, right? Correct. And is that all it, is that all it indicates? Although, or growing there... up Mormon, Matt, the first time I heard the term Gentile uh, was in reference to a non-Mormon. So you had your oh, really? <laughs> and you had your Gentiles who were non-Mormon. So it took me a long time to figure out in the Bible, oh, that's what it means. It means non-Jewish, non-circumcised, not uh, of the covenant. So... I don't know why that just thought it. You just reminded me of this, but there was another uh, Scientology commercial in the Super Bowl this year. Yes, I love that. And, and I just thought, I wonder if Scientologists think the same way as all those. Everybody, every religion thinks that, I guess. They're all non us. So they got to call them something, I guess. Yeah, what's that um, acronym they have for people who are troubled in Scientology? Oh, God. I can't recall. It's like DPs or something like that. <laughs> so, uh, how good then is Acts as a history of the spread of the church? It's so good. It's accurate. Yeah, I'm Christians always want. They always want this to be like the best history ever. It's like a super history, and they they'll refer uh, to Luke as uh, <laughs> a historian of the first rank, right? <laughs> Bullshit. Bullshit. Uh, if if we only had Acts, right, and none of Paul's letters, we would never know, A, that Paul wrote any letters at all. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> write a single fucking letter in Acts. Uh, B, that, that he engaged in controversies with Christian opponents, right? Paul's enemies in Acts, always the Jews. It's always the Jews that are... Uh, causing all this opposition. Uh, it's never the church itself. If there are problems come in the church, like the circumcision question, uh, they're quickly and amicably resolved. Everyone's one big happy family. They get together, uh, pat each other's back, and they're all happy. Uh, not so in Paul's letters. No. Uh, see that Paul struggled with the rejection of his message by the Jews. Uh, doesn't seem to bother him at all in Acts. Uh, D, that Paul proclaimed a distinct theology that was at odds with other Christian leaders. Uh, if you remember Galatians, we'll come back to that. He's very angry in Galatians that his church that he founded is going off whoring after other doctrines. <laughs> very, very angry. Or uh, finally, that uh, Paul was executed by Rome. Remember, Acts ends with Paul still alive, although he's imprisoned in Rome. Other reasons it's bad history... You know, it covers essentially, it follows characters. Uh, it doesn't follow actual history. Uh, we get kind of a, um, a basic story about the spread of the church in Jerusalem uh, while the apostles or Paul are in Jerusalem. But once Paul leaves Jerusalem, we have no fucking idea what happens in Jerusalem. Uh, what happened to the Galilee, Jesus' hometown? We have zero in Acts about the spread of the church in Galilee. This is shit that people would want to know, right? If, if Luke was a really good historian, or he was interested in writing a disinterested history, an objective history. If he was truly a historian of the first rank, he'd be paying attention to this shit. Yes. Other things, you know, it has uh, symbolism. It, it shows literary artifice in repetition. Um, if you notice in Acts... 
Peter will do something. And if Peter does it, well, then Paul has to do it later on. And generally, <laughs> Paul does it better, right? There's a fucking healing uh, that Peter does. And of course, Paul heals. And not only do they heal, but they heal when they give a, a first sermon. The same thing happens with Peter and Paul. Peter's shadow heals people. Well, if Peter's shadow heals people, then hell, why don't we make Paul's handkerchiefs heal people? <laughs> It's handkerchiefs. It's better because, you know, the shadow's always attached to Peter, but the handkerchiefs can run around every place. So Paul's better. Um, and there's lots of symbolism, lots of lots of uh, shit. And some of these stories uh, we'll get into don't make any sense. You'll read through it, and I did several times when I was a kid. Read through it, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then you, you read it as an adult, and you're like, what the fuck? It's <laughs> impossible. It never you- happened. Did you make that up? Or are you telling me that Paul had magic handkerchiefs? He had magic handkerchiefs. That's awesome. Did you now, read the same book I did? <laughs> I never read it. <laughs> and, I tried uh, to read it. Also, uh, Acts seems to contradict what Paul himself says in his own letters. You know, it's bad enough that Acts is inconsistent with itself. Paul tells a conversion story three times, and little details change every fucking time he tells it. Worse is that uh, it contradicts with what Paul says in his own letters. Uh, a famous example in Acts is that uh, Acts has Paul go straight to Jerusalem after his conversion near Damascus, right? He sees Jesus, he's blinded, he spends three days, and then immediately goes up and off to Jerusalem and talks to the apostles. In Galatians, Paul himself is adamant that this didn't happen, right? Uh, right. He's so adamant. He goes to Arabia first and then spends some other, you know, three years later he makes it to Jerusalem. You know, you think, well, maybe, maybe uh, Paul was lying in his own letter. <laughs> but, no, it but can't be. At one point, Paul swears to God that he's telling the truth in that letter in Galatians. No. Oh. Uh, so. Good enough for me. Anyway. Those are all problems. What I mentioned before, too, about Paul doing everything, pretty much, that that Peter does. There's all this parallelism between Peter and Paul, and actually between Peter and Paul and Jesus, right? Peter and Paul are both imprisoned. They both have miraculous escapes, uh, to the extent that it just gets boring every time they fucking get in prison. And, uh, of course, there's going to be some fucking (laughs) earthquake or shit. Uh, Both confront and defeat a practitioner of magic, right? Both resurrect someone for the dead. Both have to tell crowds of people that they're not gods, etc., etc. Uh, as a story, it, it makes sense that you have important themes, right? And you got to establish them by repetition. But history doesn't really work like that. Well, make believe does though. Just history, but sure, make believe <laughs> does. Um, Wait, so that's between Peter and Paul. What? What about Peter, Paul, and Mary? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I believe I think the family of Jesus is mentioned maybe once or twice in Acts, but unfortunately they get short shrift. Luke doesn't uh, really care about them. So we're just gonna pretend I never made that joke. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'll be clear about that. <laughs> uh, so again, um, the Christians will often try to prop up Luke by saying that he's a historian of the first rank, right? Uh, real historians of the first rank. People like Tacitus or Thucydides or Cassius Dio, they do something that Luke never does. They name their sources. Not only do they name their sources, but they uh, critically evaluate those sources. They uh, give reasons why, say, one source may not be trusted, while another source, uh, you have pretty good uh, reason to trust this uh, source. Luke never does this. So the only conclusion possible is that Luke is writing something maybe like historical fiction, right? Or a Christian origin myth that's dressed up to look like actual history, but it's not. he's not writing disinterested history. He's definitely trying to make a point. He's trying to legitimize the Gentile mission. Uh, so that leads to the question as to why Acts is so important to Christian apologists uh, and why they can't just give up and surrender and admit that, that, that it's not even trying to be history. Uh, and the answer to that is, Christians got nothing else. <laughs> There's nothing else. Other than Acts, no other document gets remotely close to showing Christian origins. So without Acts, there's a huge uh, gap between Jesus dying and uh, the formation and growth of the church. That's all they got. Yeah, plus with Christians, the whole Bible, it's history, man. It's real history. It's all true. It's all true. It's it literally really happened. the word of God. 
All right, should we get into Axe itself? Let's get into Axe itself. Let's get right in there. All right, so Matt, in Axe 1, Jesus hangs There's out. There's more than one Axe? <laughs> or you just mean the first chapter? Chapter 1. Oh, okay. Verse 1. That was going to be one of those Corinthian bullshit things. <laughs> like, there's a second one? God damn it. Uh, yeah. So in, in chapter one of Acts, Jesus hangs out. He just chills with the disciples for 40 days, tells them to remain in Jerusalem, right? Then he floats up into the clouds, ascending into heaven, right? Now, unfortunately, right. this contradicts what Luke says at the uh, end of his own gospel, right? He says, uh, Jesus rose from the dead, and on that same day, on the day of Easter... He f- told them to stay right there, stay in Jerusalem, and then floats off into the sky. So, did he float off on Easter, or did he hang out for 40 days? It was on Easter. That's why we have Easter. So, apologists will, you know, try to make it look like, well, he did both. He, he's <laughs> just riding some fucking cosmic elevators, just going up and down, up and down. The problem for that is that Jesus' words are nearly exactly the same on both occasions. So (laughs) if he hung out, he just kind of repeated himself verbatim. (laughs) It's the ass thing all over again, Chuck. Just because he floated away (laughs) twice does not mean he also floated away once. Is that how it works? He floated away once. (laughs) I love it because all the apostles are fucking looking in the sky with their mouths open, and there's a couple of angels are like, Hey, dumbasses, why are you looking up to the sky? <laughs> Jesus is going to come again, just like he left. And then Peter uh, tells everyone, he gets everyone together and tells everyone about the death of Judas. Like it didn't just fucking happen. <laughs> At most, if you believe Acts, this story is 30 days old. <laughs> so he tells him, although again, it contradicts what Matthew says. Uh, in Acts, it says that he you know, bought the field of blood and, uh, I don't know, like, swelled up and tripped on a stone, and then all of his uh, intestines gushed out. But why is he telling them about this? It just fucking happened. And then, my favorite, too, is he translates an Aramaic term. I think it's the, the term for field of blood, right? And he says, and that means uh, field of blood. But he's talking to people who are fucking Aramaic. <laughs> why would you need to translate an Aramaic term to an Aramaic audience? This doesn't fucking make sense. Aramaic is so obscure, even fluent speakers have trouble with it. <laughs> Need terms interpreted. Can you can you define that, please? <laughs> so clearly this isn't disinterested, objective, reporting the facts, right? But the only reason that's there is for the readers of the book who come on later on who clearly are not speaking Aramaic because they're reading the book in Greek. So speeches, too, speeches like this are, are, are clearly non-historical. Because no one wrote it down at the time. Uh, if this was written by Luke, then is someone walking around? Is there John Mark, I guess, walking around and writing down? Oh, yeah, he said the death of uh, verbatim all this shit. Um, unfortunately, about a third of Acts is made up of direct speech. <laughs> so we can immediately take a third of Acts and put it into the category of non-historical. Bullshit. <laughs> non-historical bullshit. So chapter 2, during the day of Pentecost, and that's a a feast. I thought this was a Christian holiday, Matt. It turns out this is a Jewish holiday. It's called Pentecost, but it happens like 50 days after Passover. Ah, Penta! So here we are, 50 days after Passover. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 2. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And so after the... um, Massive uh, blowing fart wind. Vi- blowing of violent wind. I love that. Um, <laughs> some tongues of fire came and settled over the heads of the disciples, Matt. They began speaking in different languages. So Whoa. From, from 2.5. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one had heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? How do they know that? No. What? <laughs> Does that make any fucking sense to you at all? So you're giving a speech, and I'm in the audience, and I'm like, Hey, you look Ethiopian. What language are you hearing this in? <laughs> oh, you're right. I am Ethiopian. I'm hearing this in the Ethiopian language. But apparently I'm bilingual, so I can tell you that, too. Oh, I'm Ethiopian. <laughs> 
How the fuck would you ever know that? What? Where in uh, God's earth would this conversation take place? Uh, you know, I could see it happen. You, yeah, you look around, you're like, look at all these people from every nation. Was <laughs> every nation under heaven? Hey, look, there are a bunch of God-fearing <laughs> Jews from every nation under heaven here. We all are understanding what's happening. I'm Therefore, just, I'm just curious. <laughs> God-fearing Jew from a different language-speaking nation. First of all, I'm amazed that you could understand me. I'm even more amazed that, is there a possibility you're hearing this in your own language? It doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Zero sense. It could not be historical. I'm also wondering why there are so many Jew nations. <laughs> Wait, I thought there was just one. They're in the diaspora. Did, did I? Oh, so they all changed languages? What? All right. Yeah, I, I guess know. they moved to the nation, a different nation, and learned other languages. So, in like a hundred years? They're, oh, yeah, yeah, they're like, you know, hey, you Phrygian, are you hearing this? Is there any chance that you're hearing this speech in Phrygian? Like the cap. <laughs> like the cap. Yes. I mean, come on. Come on. It's <laughs> a ridiculous story. Uh, e- equally ridiculous is that Peter gives a speech about Jesus coming back from the dead, and 3,000 people convert on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I, sounds good to me. I, I think that was the origin of uh, Sleem's Legit. <laughs> <laughs> Later on, I'm in. like 5,000 people convert. And I, I don't know about you, Matt, but how many fucking people are in Jerusalem uh, at the turn of the century? I mean, we're talking, what, this is 30, 33 of the common era. How many fucking people live in Jerusalem? Millions. <laughs> Millions? I mean, 8,000 has got to be a significant percentage of these. Uh, which probably, though, probably that's why it got the Jews, you know, up in arms. Yeah. And in uh, chapter 2, verse 44, we get all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Oh, my <laughs> God. They're communists. Communists. Oh, uh, you commie bastards. Fucking communists. Sounds kind of nice, though. Chapter 3, Peter heals a lame beggar in the name of Jesus and then gives an- yet another speech. Um, keep this in mind when we get to Paul doing exactly the fucking same thing. <laughs> if I was that beggar, I'd say, can I, can you just heal me without the speech? I don't need the speech. <laughs> I'm good. I'll just take <laughs> no, the healing then thing. Forget it. I'll just, no, if I can't have it, then forget it. I don't want the healing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite okay being lame. Please, no speeches. In chapter four, the Sanhedrin sees Peter and John and put them in jail because they were preaching. You know. Happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Someone preaching in Jerusalem? Arrest that fucker! <laughs> so, uh, I think 5,000 more people convert because of this. On top of the 3,000? I think so, yes. Holy shit. 5,000. I think they're now 8,000 Christians. Uh, the Sanhedrin tell Peter and John to stop preaching in the name of Jesus, and then they let him go. Oh, well, that was anticlimactic. By the way, uh, chapter 4, verse 13, tells us that Peter and John were unlettered. That means they're illiterate, right? <laughs> they're so fucking illiterate that we have uh, letters from both Peter and, and a whole book by John in the New Testament. It's amazing! Well, they learned. They got around. <laughs> they must have spent a lot of time in prison just learning a bunch of shit. That's what you do. You uh, do that, you work out, you come out with a law degree. <laughs> in verse 32, we were again reminded that the followers of Jesus are nothing but filthy communists. <laughs> I don't know uh, why Christians are so upset about communism. Yeah. This is this is the this is early Christianity. I don't think they mind communism as much. It's the socialism they can't stand. <laughs> socialism. Uh, chapter five. Everyone is so awesome in this early Christian community. They sell all their stuff and they lay the money at the feet of the apostles. So no one's oh. needy, right? But but here say, so it's a giant scam. Here we get this story about Ananias and Sapphira, who sell some property, but they don't give the whole price to the church, man. Peter asks if Ananias is sure about the price when he lays it at his feet. So he's laying a bunch of money at Peter's feet, and Peter's like, are you sure that's everything? He goes, oh, yeah, and then he dies. What? (laughs) Struck dead on the spot. A couple of hours later, his wife Sapphira does the same thing. And uh, this is so good, I want to read this to you, Matt. Because right. I think in the background, they're fucking carrying the body of her husband. <laughs> <laughs> the 
But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. So, so immediately, dies. And then, by the space of three hours after, his wife Sapphira comes in, right? Right. But Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. And she fell down straight away at his feet, yielded up the ghost. The young man came in, found her dead, carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. So, there you go. What a dick! His, her husband died, and he first thing he says to her is, he's all concerned about the money. Yeah, right. He's, you know... He doesn't say, hey, by the way, your husband died for lying to us. Are you going to tell the truth or not? Uh, he just says, uh, yeah, your husband said this was the whole price. Is it the whole price? Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, dead. So here we establish the most important thing in the early church is money. And that hasn't changed for 2,000 years. So we get to verses 14 through 16 where we learn that Peter's shadow heals people, like the fringe of Jesus' cloak in Mark 6.56, or Elijah's cloak in Second Kings uh, two verse eight. So, oh my this is, God, this, is, this is Harry Potter in the second century. <laughs> huge what the fuck moment for me. A shadow is just a lack of light. <laughs> it's not an object in itself. So all these people are waiting just so that they'll Peter's shadow will fall on them. What was he healing albinos? Oh, thank you, Peter. I'm not as sunburned as I usually am today. Thank you. <laughs> Fucking get this, how a, sh- a lack of light can heal people. Chuck, it's hot in the Middle East. You want to, Any form of shade is highly valuable. <laughs> they didn't mention what a big, massive, fat-ass Peter was, too, <laughs> casting this huge shadow. Uh, so let's see, the apostles are arrested. Um because the Sanhedrin is jealous, and that's a direct quote. The fucking Sanhedrin is jealous. Jealous. We are jealous. So successful, right? Uh, an angel lets them out, and they preach in the square, where they are rapidly caught again <laughs> and brought before the Sanhedrin. Uh, in verse 29, we get, Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings, right? Oh, hi, Roy Moore. <laughs> Now, polygamists get a lot of mileage out of this. Uh, I heard this over and over and over again because, of course, it's illegal <laughs> to marry more than one wife, right? And so we'd say, uh, well, it's illegal. They're like, well, in Acts uh, 5, verse 29, Peter tells us we should obey the law of God and not the law of man, right? So there, there you have it. Uh, the Sanhedrin wants to put the apostles to death, but Rabbi Gamaliel uh, stops them. He says, if what they're doing is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you don't want to fight against God, do you? Huh? Huh? So, therefore, they have him flogged and let them go. (laughs) Okay. We'll just whip the shit out of him and let him go. It's cool. All right. In chapter 6, we get some uh, Greek Jews who are complaining that their widows aren't getting enough food. Oh, not Uh, the Greek Jews. They're the worst. Sorry. (laughs) I don't know. Hey, I thought no one was needy, Matt. I thought this whole thing worked out. They're all communists. Right. So why are the Greek widows getting the shaft? Uh, they're probably holding back some of that sweet house money they've been selling. <laughs> so what do the apostles do? They appoint seven men to take care of that, one of whom is named Stephen. And so Stephen, instead of feeding widows, promptly goes out preaching the fucking gospel. I thought these seven people... We're supposed to take care of the food sharing. <laughs> Doesn't make any fucking sense. They must obey God, not human beings. Yeah, you know, it's like Luke isn't even fucking reading what he's writing. <laughs> like, maybe this was the first draft and then he died. I don't know. He's going to go back and edit it. Uh, so eventually, Stephen is brought before the Sanhedrin uh, by Jews who accuse him. He says, For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. So this is uh, <laughs> a bit of an anachronism because Jesus didn't say anything about the customs of Moses, right? He didn't say anything like Paul did later on that you don't have to circumcise. So it's taking right. that and bringing it into uh, an earlier time. 
So uh, Stephen gives the Sanhedrin a little history lesson. This is one of the reasons Acts is so fucking boring. We get to hear about Abraham and Moses and the Exodus and all this shit. Like, oh my God, how are these people? How are these people listening to <clears throat> this whole thing? And so uh, Stephen winds it up with, you stiff-necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. <laughs> well, of course they are. <laughs> the fuck kind of crazy religion is Stephen espousing here when he's trying to circumcise people's ears? I, You know, given the choice, ears, penis, I don't know. Yeah. I might go with the ears. I'll go with the ears. <laughs> Take my lobes. Uh, you are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? I don't know, Elijah, Moses, just about every fucking one. <laughs> uh, they even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels but have not obeyed it. Well, you know, you wonder why they killed Stephen. <laughs> he was like, here, give your defense. And his defense was, fuck you assholes. <laughs> Oh, I love Stephen. A young Sanhedrin betrayed and murdered your father. (laughs) (laughs) No, Stephen. Uh, So, of course, they drag him away and stone him to death. But, you know, you got to admit, man, he pretty much had it coming, don't you think? Oh, yeah, yeah. What a dick. And there was a guy named Saul who held the coat. I guess he didn't stone Stephen himself, but he was like, "Uh, may I take your coat, please? Right. He's that... That asshole coward guy that always stands on the side and goes along with everything, but doesn't say anything. (laughs) It just wants to be liked. It's pretty hot out here. Uh, You might work up a sweat bringing bringing big stones and hucking them at the Stephen character, so let me take your coat for you. Is this the Saul that is also Paul? It is. We later later find out that uh, this is actually Paul. The, The famous Paul who wrote a bunch of letters, right? Uh, so I think this is Luke's way of um, making a little suspense here. So, you know, often, and I think I was taught that uh, Saul was Saul until he got converted near Damascus, and then he became Paul, right? Like in the Old Testament where Abram, God says, you are now of the covenant. I'm going to change your name to Abraham. <laughs> Abraham. Oh. Okay, thanks. You added two letters to my name. Thanks. Thanks, God. Uh, but better. no, you know, Saul is his like Hebrew name, his Aramaic name, and Paul is his Greek name. Yeah, okay, that's what I, I guess. Greeks can't pronounce the letter S, and so no. they're like, "My name's Saul." He's like Paul. No, Saul. Paul. Paul. <laughs> okay, fine. Fine. Yeah, Paul. <laughs> Paul. Uh, so, chapter eight: the church is persecuted in Jerusalem, and Saul helps. Philip, yeah, he's always helping. Philip goes to Samaria, <clears throat> meets a guy named Simon the Sorcerer, which you got to admit, Matt, is a pretty cool name. That is cool. If you? I'm going to be anybody in the Bible, I want to be Simon the Sorcerer. <laughs> I'm Simon the Sorcerer. Uh, Peter and John arrive and uh, lay on their hands to the new converts. I guess Philip converted them, but he couldn't give them the Holy Spirit, so it requires an apostle, Peter and John. And so they lay their hands and they get the Holy Spirit. Simon the Sorcerer offers the money <laughs> so he can gift the Holy Spirit, too. He's like, I'll pay a bunch of money if, if you can show me how to gift the Holy Spirit. Peter tells him to repent. Now Peter doesn't like money for some reason. <laughs> I guess he's Fuck all rich and money. shit. Oh, I don't know why, but Simon the Sorcerer just sounds to me like some Jew that still lives in his parents' basement. I just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm Simon the Sorcerer. Okay. Is that a name you call yourself? <laughs> uh, I've got some money. I want some... Uh, <laughs> I don't have Holy to pay Spirit. any rent, so I've saved up a bunch of money. Right. Give me some Holy Spirit. Come on, I want to be cool. So, uh, Philip goes down to Gaza. Now, this is an interesting story. He meets with an important Ethiopian official along the way and baptizes him. So, here we have the first Gentile yeah. convert, right? I'm going to read this to you, starting in verse 38. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch, I guess he's, he's the guy's a eunuch. The no, you always official. go with your eunuch, yeah. <laughs> and the but eunuch you do those. went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. Uh, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, 
appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Um, so I apparently, <laughs> usually what happens in a baptism, right? Remember when Jesus was baptized? You baptize the guy. The guy who's baptized, the Holy Spirit comes down and descends upon that guy, right? Right. <laughs> Instead, it, it goes not to the Ethiopian who was just baptized, but it descends on to Philip, and then it fucking teleports him. And he appears in Azotus. Like, what in the fuck? What the well, hell? The, the Holy Spirit was going to go on to the Ethiopian, but then he was like, oh. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's racist. Uh, he is. He's like, ah, oh, I'll right. just go with Philip. Philip, let's get the fuck out of here. I'm descending. Oh, is that an Ethiopian? Oh, my God. Oh. We're going to teleport Philip away. It's just bizarre. The whole story is bizarre. That's a bizarre story. I do like it, though. Stop the chariot and bring me my eunuch. Well, I think the Ethiopian official was the eunuch. Oh, how important eunuch? Oh, yeah. I think they used to uh, castrate people who were in charge of like the harem and shit. Oh, that's right. People, damn it! I I was really liking the idea of this guy and his eunuch like cruising around the Middle East in his chariot, (laughs) just just (laughs) baptizing people and then like flying away. Uh, so in verse nine, we have the conversion of Paul. Paul goes to the high priest in Jerusalem to get letters of permission to arrest believers in Damascus and bring them back to Jerusalem for punishment. First of all, (laughs) the fuck the authorities in Damascus are like, Oh, you've got a letter from a high priest. Do you? Okay. Do whatever the fuck you want in Damascus. (laughs) I will definitely recognize a letter from a high priest, a Jewish high priest in Jerusalem. No problem. Have the run of the city. Uh, On the way to Damascus, Paul sees a bright flash of light and hears a voice that says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Of course, Saul asks who it is, and the reply comes, I am Jesus, who you're persecuting. (laughs) What? (laughs) You know, the guy you're persecuting. (laughs) Duh. Uh, So Saul's blind for three days. Then he's baptized, ate some food, started preaching for Jesus. He's uh, successful. So what do you think is going to happen to a successful preacher? He's going to make money. The Jews get together and plot to kill him. Oh, that's right. So uh, they make a plot, again, that that doesn't make any sense. They they plot to kill him by standing guard at the gate to catch him when he leaves the city. So they're jealous and angry because he's so successful preaching. So their plan involves allowing him to continue preaching. Just wait till he leaves. Yeah, I guess... You know, if he lived there, uh, I guess they'd still be waiting at the gates. It just doesn't make any... So uh, he escapes the plot to kill him because his uh, Paul's disciples, friends, I guess, knock a hole in the wall and lower him down in a basket. Well, okay. I guess it's what you do. Hey. And uh, he goes straight to Jerusalem. I think it says after many days, right? And, and in Galatians, Paul says after three years. Three Years. Three years is also many days. He specifically says he doesn't go to Jerusalem because he says that I got my doctrine straight from Jesus, just like the apostles. It was three years until I saw the apostles, right? So I didn't get my doctrine from any man. I got the doctrine straight from Jesus. And he has to have that gap of three years. He can't go straight to the apostles, otherwise it'd be like, really, oh, well, of course, you talk to the apostles, and they gave you a doctor. He says, no, I got this straight from Christ, so you got to listen to me, not somebody else. That's the whole point of Galatians. But Acts uh, either is unaware of Galatians, or uh, is aware of it and doesn't particularly care, because Luke's not a very good historian. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, he uh, heads straight to Jerusalem and talks to the apostles. Uh, And then the action goes to Peter. So Peter comes back in to focus again. Uh, This happens. uh, We seem to be following Paul from here on out. Uh, And so when Paul goes to Jerusalem, suddenly Peter's back in the picture. Uh, Peter heals a cripple and then finds a dead girl in Joppa named Tabitha. And uh, we, we get from the text in Greek, Dorcas. Dorcas. So I think, yeah, I'd go with Tabitha, too. <laughs> so Peter raises Dorcas from the dead, and that uh, that ends the chapter, chapter 9. And that's a good place to stop, I think, Matt. We'll tackle the rest uh, of the history of the first rank that is yeah. Acts of the Apostles uh, sometime, I don't know, two, three months from now. 
Yeah, that's about uh, if we go on our current trajectory. That's about where we'll end up. Excellent. So long, bitches. Or, (laughs) (laughs) whoa, (laughs) Chuck, I I asked you to wait to eat your sautéed foreskin until after the podcast. I couldn't. It was sizzling. Thank you, five stars by Blanche Patel. This podcast gives me hope for humanity. Oh, good. <laughs> I might skip that one. Uh, how about the one Wait, that, that I want? I have a joke for it. Oh, now you have a joke. <laughs> Blanche Patel. That's from the uh, Indian version of West Side Story. No, wait. Is it Death of a Salesman? I don't know. <laughs> what am I talking about? Streetcar Named Desire, isn't it? That's the, that's the one. <laughs> Some uh, fucking old play, I don't know. Tennessee uh, Williams? Who knows? Nobody knows that shit. In Acts uh, 5, verse 29, you have Peter, who says that we should obey the law of man and not uh, the law of fuck. The law of fuck? Let me try this again. Do not obey the law of fuck.